I love Christmas. I don't mean I just love the Christmas season. It's far more than the music, the lights, the warmth, the joy this time of the year usually brings. I don't even mean I just love Christmas Day, the time home with family, having my kids at home, and seeing the joy on their faces and hearing them laugh, spending quality, quality time at home with my wife and just resting and being together. No, I love what Christmas means to the church, what opportunity and environment it presents for us, God's people. You see, I believe more than any other time of the year, the hardest of hearts, the non-believing atheist, the skeptic, the disenfranchised, the cynic, those angry with God and wanting nothing to do with him. Yeah, all of those folks and everyone who doesn't believe or even understand the significance of what Christ's birth means to you and I as believers. I believe if there is one season of the year if there's one time on the church calendar, if there's one moment where their hearts may be open to the good news that Jesus brings, it's here at Christmas. It's why I said back in August that if we had to do 20 Christmas services, we would. And understand me, it's not just for the gathering of believers to sing some familiar songs, to give elbow bumps to one another, to even be entertained by the creativity and the giftedness of our worship department, or even to be challenged by an inspired message. No, it is the hope, the assurance, and the belief that when we gather, when we worship, when we call on the name of Jesus, he comes. It's the reality of Emmanuel, God with us, his presence filling this place, that it's in that moment the Holy Spirit does what he does best. He penetrates the hardened heart. He heals wounds. He brings hope and assurance. He draws men, women, and he draws children unto him. It's the belief that if we invite and bring loved ones, neighbors, co-workers, friends who do not know Christ, that they will experience Christmas. They will experience Emmanuel, God, with us. Now, instant change may not occur. For them, it may just be a holiday tradition or something to be entertained by. But the Holy Spirit would do his work, and seeds would be planted in their hearts. So for me, there is some disappointment today. Months ago, I decided to call this very weekend, I circled it on the calendar, that we would call it Home for Christmas. Because it was the idea and hope that this would be the weekend, as a church family, we would be re reunited again at home our church home here at ACAC. But instead, this weekend, home for Christmas means something else. 
You may be in your home right now watching this. Many of you disappointed like me that we aren't gathered together in this room today. However, God reminded me, and my desire is that he would remind you, and he redirected my thoughts on what it truly means to be home for Christmas. It is a reminder that nothing, not even a pandemic, can halt God's plans and purposes for what he calls home. So with that, today's message is called Home for Christmas. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we have lifted our voice and declared that you're the King of Kings. We've rejoiced that your presence is here. So in this moment, I invite you to into every heart, into every home, work through technology today. You're bigger than that. Come and speak to us. Speak through this unworthy and vessel that you desire to use. Let people hear from you today, not from me. In your name, amen. So let's look at the text for today. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open it or again on your phone. Our text is going to be out of the book of John, the gospel of John. And we're going to focus on the first chapter, verse 14. Okay, so let's look at it. It says, so the word became human. Some of your translations probably say the word became flesh. But the word became human and he made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Now this verse, this passage of Scripture is one of the most significant and important verses in all of the Bible. It's true not only here in the Christmas season, but every day of the year and in every season. This verse speaks to who God is, his plan to redeem his creation, and his promise for all who are his own. So what I've done is I've summed up the entirety of today's message in one sentence. It's a sentence that I'll repeat often in our short time together today, and one that I hope you allow deeply to sink into your heart and to your spirit. And here's the sentence. Jesus left his home with the Father, and he made his home here on earth so that we could have a home with him in heaven forever. We're going to break this down in three sections today. So here's the first part. First part is Jesus left his home. Everybody say home. Sound great. Jesus left his home with the Father. Now, to understand the importance of this statement, we're going to go back a few verses. We're going to stay in the Gospel of John in the first chapter, but we're going to go to John chapter 1, verse 1. John writes, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. So when you first begin reading the Gospel of John, you're really not sure what this word is in these opening verses. 
But as you continue reading, it becomes very clear that John is referring to Jesus. Jesus was with God in the beginning, and Jesus was God. Jesus was with God because he was, the God, he was with God the Father and with God the Spirit. Jesus was God because he is God the Son. Now, what we're talking about here is the divine mystery of the Trinity. From the very beginning, from all of eternity, God has existed as one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. John is telling us at the beginning of his gospel that Jesus is part of that Holy Trinity. Understand that Jesus' life did not begin at Bethlehem. But he has always existed in perfect harmony with God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son. Jesus was with God and was God in the beginning. So Jesus had a perfect home in heaven. He lived in perfect relationship with God the Father and God the Spirit in a perfect place without sin and without sorrow. He created all things, and he continually received worship and praise in heaven from angels and otherly be other beings that he created. He was constantly with his Father in glory. When Jesus left heaven to enter our world, Jesus was leaving a place of absolute beauty and perfection. You see, the first thing we have to understand is that Jesus left his perfect home in heaven. Jesus left his home with the Father, and he made his home here on earth so that we could have a home with him in heaven forever. Here's the second part of that. And he made his home, everybody say home, home here on earth. Jesus made his home here on earth. Let's go back to our original text. It says, so the word became human. The word became flesh, and it made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. The word became human, or as other translations read, as I have mentioned, the word became flesh. Now, this is another divine mystery about God that we encounter here in the book of John. The first mystery is that Jesus was with God in heaven, but yet he was God. The second mystery is that God the Son, Jesus, somehow became human. He became flesh. He became fully man. And we call this the incarnation. The incarnation really is, it's the heart. It's truly the heart of the Christmas story. The eternal Son of God who has lived through all of eternity, who made all things, was born into our world as a human baby, being 100% flesh, 100% human, while still being 100% God. He never stopped being God. He wasn't only part human. Jesus, who was truly God, became truly human at incarnation. The Word became flesh. The Word became human and made his home among us. Now that word home is also translated as dwelling. The literal translation in the Greek means tent 
or tabernacle. And if you remember, the tabernacle was the place where God dwelt among his people in the Old Testament. So now, John is saying that God was making his dwelling. He was making his tent, his tabernacle. God was making his home among us. No longer is God's presence limited to those qualified as priests in the Old Testament. No longer does God's presence reside in a constructed tabernacle or tent. Christmas represents Jesus leaving his home to be with us. God with us anywhere and everywhere. And this is why we can rejoice. This is why we can have confidence today that even when we have church online, God's presence is here with us now. And God's presence is with you now in your home, in your office, in your car. Jesus' home, God's home, is in your home. Remember, Jesus left his home with the Father, and he made his home here on earth so that we could have a home with him in heaven forever. And here's the third part. So that we could have a home, home with him forever in heaven. Now, to bring this final point home, pun intended, I want to visit a very familiar Sunday school story. It's the story of Zacchaeus. Many of you probably already know that story. It's found in the 19th chapter of Luke. And to summarize it before I get to the text that I'm going to share with you, Jesus has entered the town of Jericho. And if you read Luke 19, Jesus enters Jericho, and then the Bible introduces us to a man named Zacchaeus. Now, it's really interesting that the Bible gives us a physical description right away about Zacchaeus. And the Bible says that he was a short man. Now, any of you who went to Sunday school, I remember growing up in Sunday school, and there was a song that we always sang about Zacchaeus. So I'm going to sing it, and if you know it, sing it with me. It went like this. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree. Lord, he wanted to see. And then Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down from here, for I'm going to your house today. I'm going to your house today. That would have been much better if there would have been people in this room. But hopefully you got the point and sang it with me. Now, if you think about it, that song and even the story, it's not really politically correct. Because we don't pick on people about their height or being wee little men. But the Bible goes in and says Zacchaeus was a little guy. He was short. And the Bible also says that he was a tax collector and that he was wealthy. And if you remember, several weeks ago we talked about Matthew. Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, was also a tax collector. And if you remember, tax collectors were despised in the day. Zacchaeus was Jewish. Tax collectors worked for the Roman government. So Zacchaeus' own people would have seen him, just as they did with Matthew, as a traitor. Here is a guy who was an Israelite who was working for the Roman government. And I have to wonder, I have to think, if there was a little bit of little man syndrome with Zacchaeus. You know, he probably was picked on as a kid. He probably, you know, and, and his way of going to combat that, to, to fight against being bullied maybe as a child is now he was wealthy. And he was working for the Roman government and he was despised by his own people. So he was short and he wasn't liked because he was a tax collector. 
So what happens? Jesus, Jesus comes into Jericho, and Zacchaeus really wants to see Jesus. He probably heard about the miracles. Who knows? Zacchaeus and Matthew, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but it's quite possible that Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, being a tax, former tax collector, and Zacchaeus being a tax collector, they might have crossed paths. So maybe Matthew said, Zacchaeus, you got to meet this guy. So Jesus comes into Jericho, and he sees Zacchaeus up in a tree, and he tells Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down. Despite your size, your physical appearance, or whatever, despite the fact that people don't like you because of tax collector, I want to go to your home today. And I love that the Bible says that Zacchaeus took Jesus to his home, rejoicing and glad. Now, the Bible also says that the crowd, the people there, they weren't happy about it because they didn't like Zacchaeus. And here Jesus, this teacher, this rabbi, this miracle worker, this Messiah, was going to a tax collector's house. But he goes, and Zacchaeus has an incredible encounter, encounter with Jesus, and he becomes a Christ follower. And then Jesus responds to the crowd, and he says these words. Jesus responds in Luke 19. He says, salvation has come to this home today. Whose home? Zacchaeus's home. Salvation has come to this home today. For this man, Zacchaeus, has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man, Jesus, he came to seek and to save those who were lost. The word, Jesus, left his home and he made his home here to seek and save those who were lost. You see, Jesus left his home with the Father and he made his home here on earth so that we could have a home with him in heaven forever. This is another amazing truth about Christmas, that the child who was born in Bethlehem was born to die. He, became, he came into the world at Christmas with a set purpose already in mind. This baby born in Bethlehem would one day go to the cross as a man to die for our sins, to make it possible for you and I to spend eternity in a new home, which is heaven. And while Jesus may have visited Zacchaeus' earthly home, God gave that short little guy a new permanent address that day, and it was heaven. The same is true for you and I. All of us who have placed our hope and our faith in Christ alone, one day we will join Zacchaeus. We will join Jesus in our new heavenly home. It was the night before Jesus went to the cross. He said these words to his closest friends, his disciples who were gathered. The night before he died for our sins, Jesus says to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and I'll get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Just as God created a perfect home for Adam and Eve in the garden, so Jesus is preparing a perfect home for you and me in heaven. And if he has gone on to prepare a place for us, then he will most definitely 
come back to take us with him, that we may be with him forever. So that's why when we have friends who are believers, that's why when there are Christians who pass, who die, we call it a home going. They've moved on into their new residence with Jesus in heaven. I don't find it a coincidence that this week, our church family, there were six sons and daughters of God who relocated this week to their new heavenly home. There are those who are no longer home here on earth for Christmas, but they're going to spend their first Christmas face-to-face with Jesus in heaven. I want to acknowledge and even rejoice in the fact that they have moved on to glory. These are the sons and daughters of God, of God this week that have relocated. This is Norma Diwali, Laura Schmidt's mother. She relocated, Norma did, to heaven this week. The son of Greg and Mary Jo Johnson, Jeffrey Johnson, went on to be with Jesus. Our very own Sally Boyd lost her husband, Dick Boyd, this week. Actually, she didn't lose him. She knows exactly where he is. He relocated to heaven this week. George Valigdon, his mother, Mary, went on to be with Jesus this week. And Robin Taylor, her husband Malcolm, were celebrating his homegoing. Our own missions pastor, Glenn Hanna, his mother, who was 97 years old, Dorothy, went on to be heaven this week. And just personally, between my wife and I, they don't attend church here. We have some dear good friends, Jan Athey. Her husband, John, passed away this past week at the age of 69 and right now is spending his first Christmas in heaven. You see, the Christmas story begins and it ends at home. It begins with God and man at home together in the garden. And it ends with God and man together in a new heaven and a new earth. The Christmas story, the meaning of Christmas is that Jesus left his home. He left his home with the Father and he made his home here on earth so that we, all those who would put their faith and their trust in him, would one day have a new home with him in heaven forever. Father, my first prayer is for those who have not put their hope and their faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that your spirit would draw them close to you. I pray that, Lord, you would do a work in their heart and their mind, that they would experience Emmanuel. They would experience this God who is real and with us, a living God. Would you do a work in their heart? I pray for those that I mentioned and those that are mourning that I haven't mentioned. Those that are spending this first Christmas 
here without their loved one. I ask that your peace that passes all understanding would fill their home, fill their mind, and fill their heart. Lord, in the middle of the tears, in the middle of the sadness because their loved one is not with them this Christmas, I pray that there would be a smile and a rejoicing because they know that they're spending their first Christmas in heaven in God's presence. Their bodies are perfect. Their minds are perfect. And Lord, I pray for us on this Christmas that has been different than any of us have probably experienced in our lifetime. That we, your faithful followers, would sing and we would live this joy to the world. That our faith would be lived out in joy because we know Emmanuel has come. I pray that that would be true in every one of us. Amen.